Acts, chapter 9. We're reading verses 1 to 7, and then from verse 9 onwards. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard heard the sound, but didn't see anyone. For three days he was blind and didn't eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias? Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he's praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This, is, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we are gathered today in your name. Be true to your promise. Be with us. Amen. Please be seated. Reading in Matthew is a wonderful passage, but I'm just glad I don't have to preach on that one today. So if you can turn back to page 1040, and we will concentrate on um, Acts chapter 9. So we're back in our series of journeying with the early church through a time of change. And this is a time of big change, of course, for us. 
and was told that it was working, but it's not. So next. There we go. The ride of his life. Do you remember that? Last week? That's how Steve summarized his 23 years of ministry here at Sea Sorta. And I wouldn't be surprised if for many um, we could say the same in return. This truly for us was also the ride of our lives. Um, and thank you, Yvonne, for uh, again um, saying what a great weekend it was um, last week, uh, a great party, and of course a great Sunday. Now, Steve encouraged us all um, to live in a spirit of gratitude. If I can have the next picture, there we go, in his normal um, cycling gears, and then the next one, please. A spirit of gratitude, firmly grounded in the knowledge that we are all loved and precious in God's side. And using the first chapter of the epistle to the Philippians, if you were not here, he showed how leaders come and go. Some plant seeds, others water plants, but it is God who makes the church flourish. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who's at the center of it, but God who makes things grow. And so we can be grateful for what we have received through the ministry of Steve and his family, but we can also look forward with anticipation to what God has in store for us all. Now, today's reading is all about, and if I can get the next one, interruptions, callings, challenges, and blessings. Interruptions, thank you very much. Let's look at this passage, chapter 9, and let's see how God interrupts Saul in a direct manner. In verse 1, we learn of Saul's intentions and plan. We um, uh, read that he's still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple, and he's on his way to Damascus with letters from the high priest, um, so that if he can find anyone who belongs to the way, he can then, man or woman, arrest them and put them in prison. That was his intention, his plans. But then in the middle of verse 3, we hear, suddenly, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I don't know if you remember um, Steve's story, how he was interrupted early this year with a kind of picture, or it was more like a clip. Um, he told us last weekend um, of, of this clip that appeared uh, during a time of prayer. He was in his kayak, entering a harbor, and then all of a sudden was this big black and white ship coming out. Um, it was a sudden coming out of that ship, and it took him by surprise, and actually, uh, he felt quite frightened by it. Then, when the role of diocesan local mission and growth advisors came to be advertised, a role that Bishop Trevor encouraged him to apply for, 
he realized that what he had experienced, that little clip he had seen earlier, was about making a choice, a black and white choice, a frightening choice, a bold choice, but that God was in it. So callings. In our passage, Saul was called, and we hear Verse 6, now get up and go in the city and you will be told what you must do. Get up and go. And his response in verse 8 is that he did got up, he did get up from the ground and went to Damascus. Steve also got up, didn't enter a city, but a new role. And he needs our constant prayers for that. But there is another part in our reading today. We have another person who goes through the same motions. And this man in our reading is called Ananias. He goes through the same process than Saul. Let's look at verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision too and said, Ananias, he replied. The Lord told him in verse 11, go. And some translation has, get up and go to the house of Judah on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Both Saul and Ananias were caught up in God's interruptions, and both were called to get up and go. And so both Steve and us as a church have been caught up in God's interruptions, and both have been called to get up and go. For Steve, it was a literal getting up and going somewhere else. For us, it's not leaving the church to go somewhere else, but I think it's more stepping up to the mark and embracing whatever God has now in store for us in this new faith phase. Of course, any calling will bring its challenges. For Saul and Ananias, the new faith was disturbing at first, to say the least. Saul lost his sight. He became blind and he had to be led by others in Damascus. Ananias here, we learn that he's afraid. I have heard many reports, we read in verse 13, about this man and all the harm that he has done to your people in Jerusalem. Lord, are you sure about this? Transitions are never easy, and we should not dismiss that saying goodbye to someone we have come to deeply love and trust is painful. It is a kind of grieving for us, and we need to go through that journey together. I have here a slide of the stages of grief. Maybe you've seen that before. Um, Elizabeth and David are those two who've been leading that kind of um, um, idea of going through different stages in our griefs. 
Um, this was first applied when someone received the news that possibly uh, the person has a terminal illness and the kind of then process it goes through. But it has then been applied also to general loss and grief that's also then linked to losses. And of course, losing Steve is a kind of grievous loss. And so denial can be the stage where we become just, this is just too overwhelming to take in. This new reality doesn't seem to make sense. We stand in a state of shock. We feel numb. But denial and shock are part of the process and help us to cope. There is some grace in that stage of denial. But the problem is, each time, if we get stuck in one of those stages, it's good to go through them, but the problem is when we get stuck. We could feel anger. We can be angry with these interruptions from God. Anger often is uh, consequences of the pain we feel. The pain, our pain coming from uh, feeling maybe deserted or abandoned. And then there is this um, bargaining um, um, place where maybe we can meet halfway. Maybe if you, Fabian, can be our next vicar. That would be nice. But it's not going to happen. You will have to choose a new vicar. And he or she is going to be different. And they're going to be some unknown. And it's difficult. And then the stage of depression, or some say despair, where you start realizing what it really means, the new situation, and that can be scary. You realize what the loss means, and it's accompanying pain, and you accept that. And so you slowly move into that accepting. And accepting doesn't mean, I'm okay. Accepting is that you actually um, carry out the whole reality with you. The hopes, the pain, the scary bit, the good bit. You recognize that this is actually now a new reality which is here to stay. Steve is gone and a new vicar will in time be leading this church. Now there is no such thing like right and wrong feelings. What we feel is what we, what we feel. The issue is whether we can own our feelings and work through them to the point that we can let go. And this will take time. This will be a journey that we should go, that we should do together. We should commit ourselves to do that journey of grieving together so that we as a church will be ready for a new relationship with the next vicar. And I think what will sustain us on this journey is prayer. And I therefore encourage us all to pray. First, to pray with gratitude for all that we have received through Steve's ministry. Second, to pray with honesty about how these changes affect us. And finally, to pray with faith, looking forward to what God has in store for us all.
And so I've put here our prayer for the vacancy. And can we do that this morning together? The prayer for our vacancy. Shall we all stand and pray that together? God our Father, you call us to be the body of Christ here. Send your Holy Spirit at this time of change. Fill us with vision, energy, and faithfulness in prayer. May this vacancy be a time of deeper love and fellowship as you guide us with your heavenly wisdom. Help us to choose the one who will share with us in your perfect plans. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. And the final bit is blessing. Interruptions, calling, challenges, but also blessings. The obedience of both Saul and Ananias results in blessings. We see that the passage ends with Ananias meeting Saul and praying for him. Ananias conquered his fears. And then for Saul, he regains his sight and is filled with the Holy Spirit. What a beautiful picture for us as we learn to play our part in this new journey. Our current fears and uncertainties will turn into new opportunities. Our understanding of God's purposes will be clarified. We will see this through. And God will fill his church and renew her purposes with the Holy Spirit. The golden age for sea slaughter is not past, 5, 10, 20 years ago. And it's not future, some kind of distant dream. It is no other than now. Now is the moment that God has entrusted us. And a well-known theologian said this uh, wise sentence, what, goes, what God does first and best and most is to trust people with their moment in history. I will repeat that again. What God does first and best and most is to trust people with their moment in history. So yes, there will be a let go for us all. And there will also be a getting up and moving forward. Embracing both will enable us all to, fulfill, to fully enter the new plans and purposes God has for this church. Let's pray. O oh Lord, as we seek to move forward with faith and sensitivity, help us not to get stuck. We offer you our grief, ourselves, our hopes, and we pray that you will indeed take us and melt us and mold us and fill us, that our life together will reflect saving love of Jesus Christ. Amen.